Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the podcast for cosmetic, wellness, and business insider knowledge. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, a cosmetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, David Segal, an entrepreneur and a multi-clinic owner in the aesthetic space. We'll cover any topic that makes you look or feel good with long form, unbiased, and unfiltered conversations with expert guests from around the world. New episodes are released every Friday and you can subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure, and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. Hey, Gavin, how are you? Hey, Gavin. Uh, All's well. I was just saying to uh, David, you you win the probably the best sound quality we've ever had from a guest. So the best sound. I've got my special uh, short oh, there you go. Oh, microphone off. there. there you go. Is that the YouTube How's microphone? That? That's no, I use another one for YouTube actually. But um, yeah, I, I, I got this recently. It's fantastic. Yeah, great, well, great what, for Is it a Rode one? It's the Shure MV7. It just plugs straight in. so easy to set up. It's the best. Fantastic. Right, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you guys sound good too. Yeah, well, we've got a we've got a bit of a setup here. You can't see uh, the chaos. You don't want to see the chaos that is outside of the uh, camera lens. But yeah, <laughs> and you're wearing pajama pants too. Yeah, oh, I'm not wearing yeah. pants. What do you mean? Yeah, pajama pants. pants. Okay. It's, yeah, it's commando for podcast. Yeah, commando podcast. <laughs> so you're joining us on episode. 150, by the way, mate. Cheers, Yeah, congratulations, oh, 150. Yeah, yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Oh, you guys got... Oh, I don't have a drink, but oh, I'll drink one later. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll pretend. We'll edit it back in later. Yeah. Okay. I was saying to Jake before, the, I think the the last time I saw you was at Luna Park for the launch of Sub-Q in Australia for oh, when it was owned by QMed. I think that was the last time I saw you. That's, That's a long time ago. Long time, it was, yeah, yeah. I used that stuff on on on, one, on the first patient. I remember I've never seen so much swelling in my entire life before. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I used, okay. I, I did the intraoral technique, which was taught. Oh yeah, wow! That and I used this. Well, it was like it was just like a liposuction in reverse. And, yeah. Um, and and uh, the patient, I've never seen so much swelling, and <laughs> she's still my patient nowadays. And that yeah. lasted forever. 10 plus years we I, should uh, get mobin's mris on there and see what happens yeah yeah i know she'll just light up like a like a christmas tree <laughs> I, I remember seeing the um Stephen Liu was doing a presentation on the intraoral technique and it was when i was first getting into the industry and it was the yeah. first time i'd seen someone like that and i had to sit down i could feel the i could feel, <laughs> i could feel the blood just draining from my face i was like what is going on here and these people are just sitting there they're eating like their chicken wings and drinking the champagne like it's nothing and i'm like having a seizure that's hilarious yeah. had you had yeah. food at that point yet? no nothing i was just completely like ver- right. like hadn't had my cherry popped with any of this Virgin. stuff yeah and i was just like watching Stephen Liu just like go you through someone's mouth it was like something out of predator or aliens i was just so, um, that's really interesting why did they choose the intraoral route and they, and they weren't so they worried can, about obviously bacteria <laughs> so they can introduce some bugs <laughs> from the mouth yeah that seems bizarre um i've got no idea actually because you know and they said you could only inject it through an 18 gauge cannula or something stupid like or <laughs> something it's some like a ridiculous size cannula <laughs> it's like a jousting stick yeah, to, yeah same with voluma you, know, you had to inject it with a massive cannula as a criteria yeah but um yeah those days are over now it's all yeah it's all it's all the opposite i inject with a 27 gauge cannula now so it's all gone the other way yeah all the imagine <laughs> 20 years from now when you just push a button and it's all done for you oh no 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 i <laughs> yeah, still need a job I still need a job well maybe yeah. i'll be the guy who gets paid to push the button well speaking of jobs tonight your job is to be one of our guests yeah i'm terrified yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm on the other side of the mic tonight 
Well, um, well, so the premise for the podcast is we've been getting a lot of DMs lately from um, injector nurses who form a large cohort of our of our listener base around the globe, and um, people were asking questions about um, particular areas of the face and, mm-hmm. and how you treat them and what their thoughts are and, you know, all the various right. techniques that people use around the world. And we thought, who better to get on for our first <laughs> episode of this than the OG himself, uh, oh, Mr. You. Gavin Chan <laughs> from the Victorian Cosmetic Institute. You've been around for ever yeah, and ever and ever I'm actually ever. about 75 years old. That's now. a backhanded yeah. compliment, had, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> like no, I've been, <laughs> yeah, I've been in the industry a while now, uh, 16 years. So that's yeah, a long, long time. Yeah. And we're joined by the other OG or the new G. Is it new? Is new G a thing? I don't know. It is now. I don't feel that new. I'm 41. So Do- Dr. Jake Sloan, for anyone that doesn't know, doesn't know Jake. <laughs> I know this is bizarre. So <laughs> hello. Yeah. <laughs> Sydney-based facial aesthetic doctor. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you guys know me. I'm the I'm normally the other host. Yes. But uh, so I guess the, the, the different spin on this is that, like David said, we're going to do different facial areas. Tonight, uh, we're going to talk about tear trough and I guess the, the, the area around the eye, the peri sort of ocular region. Um, and one of the reasons that we asked you on, Gavin, was because, you know, you've got an amazing YouTube channel, lots of nice, really kind of uh, nitty gritty, kind of really detailed topics that you know and and i think it's really educational both for the consumer and the injector so it, it's really well done and and i like your production as well and, and we're just saying your sound quality is fantastic as well <laughs> which is great for the podcast but um yeah so thank we're going to drill you, down Dave. on on the tear trough particularly because one of your later videos you actually mm-hmm. sort of said that you don't do it anymore yeah. so that was an interesting sort of spin on yeah. things people are wondering whether I do anything anymore because I yeah. keep saying I don't do anything but I do do fillers but I, yeah. I just don't do tear troughs and a couple <laughs> other areas but yeah Okay, well, maybe we'll get into yeah. into the other ones. Yeah, we'll get you back and do Absolutely. another one. Yeah. But before, but I before could be the, we, uh, the antithesis, like why I don't do th- why I don't do this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, before we get into the details of, of tear trough, do you want to just give the listeners a little bit of uh, a background about you know I've already introduced you and where you're from, but just a bit of a background so we got an idea sure. of who you are and, and sort of how you came yeah. to be where you're at at the moment. Sure, no worries. Um, yeah, so I've been in the industry for 16 years, uh, come from the hospital system, you know, doing emergency, ICU, that sort of stuff. So, a big change. Um, but uh, yeah, look, I mean, I guess back then, we, we, there was not that many clinics and, and certainly there was no one willing to teach you much. So, you sort of got, got away, um, you had to do it by yourself and you had to learn, learn by yourself. So, I guess a lot of the things I've learned over the years have been through trial and error careful trying trial and error but um so i've i've been lucky enough to uh sort of work my way through you know different techniques and different ideas a lot of them found serendipitously and um you know it took me about 14 of those 16 years to uh do tear troughs and then not do them so <laughs> it, it's been a long journey um, in in cosmetic medicine. It's been good, and and a lot of things over you know time of change. The landscape's completely changed. So it's great to um, you know to share um, ideas and, and information on on a podcast like yours, guys. Yeah, thank you. And in terms of your your practice and sort of what you do day to day, because now you've got other doctors that work from for you, and you do seems like you do everything from your toxins and fillers. You've got a, a you know mm-hmm. a large sort of collection of, of lasers yes. as well. Um, so maybe just tell us a bit about your practice and maybe what you what the different things that you offer and what your yeah. average patient may look like. And is yeah, it true sure. you've got a tree in the middle of your clinic? Yeah, we got, not <laughs> oh, the clinic, it sounds but amazing. In the medical center. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. We've got a tree. We we um. 
we thought it make it we made a feature of the it's like nature you know na- yeah as in natural treatments and the, the tree of contemplation like that. yeah <laughs> the tree, that's it so uh, yeah we we do all this um the anti-wrinkle injections the dermal fillers uh we do uh laser uh quite a few different various sorts of laser and skin treatments and i personally do liposuction as well um so so that's our range of things we do which we cover most things but um yeah Okay, good. Yeah, not so teardrops, not teardrops anymore. All, all, all encompassing <laughs> practice. So maybe yeah. let's let let's well, kick off into into the the main question for today, which is tear troughs. Mm-hmm. How do we treat them? And then I guess recently, how why do you not treat them? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it's funny because I you know I look at my children; they're four and two, and they have a tear trough. So I think a lot of patients get stressed about these signs and signals on their face, and they think that they have to be treated. And, and you know, mm. and it's a normal anatomical variant. Do you agree with that, Gavin? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't feel your kids' tear troughs. I would say, uh, right? <laughs> Definitely <Jay>. not. <laughs> Don't even let me feed him or dress him, let alone do his teardrops. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I think it's um, an anatomical um, variant, I guess. You know, it's a bit bit sad that we call it a tear trough deformity because – you know, it's not really a deformity. It's just a variant. It's just a variant of normal. And, you know, there's a lot of very good-looking people out there with tear troughs, like pretty – what you would probably call bad ones, but they're – they're really good looking, you know. Mm. Um, so, you know, it, it doesn't take long. You just go go watch a few movies, and, and there's plenty of actors and uh, with, with fantastic looking faces and tear troughs. So, yeah. the question, I guess, you know, is why we're filling them and and um, should we fill them? Um, but certainly, there's a huge, huge demand from patients yeah. to fill them. Yeah, huge. Well, maybe let's take a step back because I know we've got a lot of um, practitioners who understand exactly what we're talking about, but I have to be mindful of some of the people that are patients, potentially lay people like myself. So maybe let's just start off by explaining exactly what the tear trough area is so we can then build the conversation from there. Yeah, and and I've got to say this is the one of the uh, things that patients always mispronounce. They call it the tear through, the tear (laughs) trough. They they can't say trough. Right. So it's the tear trough. Yeah. There's no there's no sort of funny sort of silent um, vowels in there or anything. Um, So yeah, I don't know. It's it's just a depression or a shadow, if you like, from the corner of the eye, and you know anatomically it just ends at the the pupil or the mid pupil. So you know if you've got a line sort of extending further out to the sort of side of the eye we yeah. tend to call it the palpable malar groove you i just tell patients it's just an extension of your tear trough and you know yeah. if you're hollow there then yes there's potential treatment there but um do, do you agree with that sort of um classification yeah, i think that's that's the perfect yeah i think um from my perspective and you know you're a patient you've had yeah. your tear troughs done years ago yeah you? i did what, yeah what, what was i'm gonna ask you a question sure, sure. What, what was your complaint because i guess you know I see patients telling me they've got tear troughs and I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah. So what, what was your complaint My, when you had them done? I didn't. I, they just needed a training model and <laughs> I had I had an indication and um, they said me. You get wheeled out a lot for I know. model well, treatments. Well, that was, so that was when I was with Joe at Cosmos. So that would have been around about 2010. Yeah. And apparently they still look full. So you, you definitely don't need any yeah. more work. So, so whatever they did. Good job. Yeah, that was Joe when he used to inject man. Wow. Years ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and it's not that you know you can't get a, a good job with a tear trough. 
and that's not why I don't do them anymore. But I'll, I'll we'll get into that, I guess. But well, I was twenty. So, I was would have been twenty. I would have been thirty, maybe at the time. Yeah. Mm. So I probably didn't. You're Sorry. reminding me how ancient we are. I know. We've got the same birthday. So yeah. <laughs> if I'm ancient, he's ancient. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, Gavin. I cut nice. you off. So, so no, no, sorry. that's all right. All good. But um, yeah, no, it's it's like pop, pop, a popular area. There's a huge demand for it. And you know, I was I was going to give uh, have a bit of a dig at you then because if you if you asked you for a tear trough filling, I always say, and no offense to the to anyone out there who's had it done or thinking of getting it done, but you guys who want to get it done, I know if that's your primary concern, I'm going to call, I'm going to label you as a perfectionist because that is the kind of person who comes in. It's, it's a slightly obsessive person who that's what my, my experience has been anyway. I might be generalizing a bit there, but certainly so, I find that, you know, I don't know what, what about you, Jake? Do you find that tear drop primary just, presentation being tear trough? Are they a bit I've, obsessive or are you, are you not too scared to say that? No, no, no. I'm sorry. You, I was, <laughs> I was going to say, I think I've worked out why Gavin says no. It's just worked out. That's an easy way to say no to the crazy patients before <laughs> yeah. they become patients. I, I, I didn't say crazy. I didn't <laughs> say <laughs> perfectionist. Particularly I'm very careful my words. Particular. <laughs> uh, no, it's a good question. Um, yeah. I think in my earlier injecting days, I think you'd be absolutely right. I, and, and this is the tear trough is one of the reasons how I changed mm. my business and also how people book, because mm. I used to allow people to book for, spe- you know, specific facial areas like cheek filler, lip filler, tear trough, and so on. And, you know, y- you can understand why you do that because patients kind of have some idea of what they want and they come in and mm-hmm. sometimes it's suitable, sometimes it's not. But I found that with the tear trough, they, they're always booking in for what they called tear trough and yet they didn't have tear trough. And the advertised price never matched what they needed, which was, you know, mid-face filler. Which and, was like and 19 mils. <laughs> yeah, well, more. And so there was always this sort of antagonism of, oh, you're trying to upsell me and do something different and I only want my tear troughs. So from that perspective, it made me sort of realize how, you know, maybe it's too simple. I was advertising myself. Mm. Um, and, maybe and you didn't too- factor in the uh, 20 touch-ups you have to do there as well, Jake. Well, exactly. In the, in the exactly. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think, um, Patients definitely don't understand how sophisticated and complex their faces are. And I think sometimes mm. injectors undersell themselves by, you know, making it so binary and, and sort of selling mills of filler. And, yeah. you know, it's a bit silly. We have to look at the whole face and and, and sort of diagnose it before yeah. we can, you know, offer a solution. Yeah. And I can't help but feel, you know, even in my experience in having lots of injectors work for me over the years, especially the ones that are maybe, you know, one to three, you know, zero to three years out injecting, they want to say yes to everyone. Yeah. Um, and they're really excited to try this new skill that they've just learned and there's no sort of ability to judiciously work out what to stay away from. So mm. I think it, it, there is a little bit of element of that as well. And then they get themselves into trouble where they've got this this problem that they just keep chasing that they can't fix. Definitely. And then they end up with mm. you or, or Gavin. Yeah. <laughs> Gavin, mm. you've, you are a trainer or you have been a trainer before? Oh, Do you I still have, train? I have been a trainer for, um, for one of the filler companies in the past. Okay. Do yeah. you find that it's one of the sort of most requested things that injectors want to learn? Because I guess it's a, yeah. you know, it's a popular thing that patients ask for. Certainly. And one of the hardest things to teach when I was when I was teaching it and showing people, I mean, just to get that exact positioning of yeah. where you want it to go. Um, yeah. Not that I was doing the right thing, but, you know, to try and teach what was in your mind yeah. to someone else, very, very hard. And you'd, you'd feel like grabbing the syringe off them, ripping it off their hands and saying, look, that's not how you do it. Look, this is how you do it. But uh, I'd, I'd try not to do that, you know. So from the patient's perspective, maybe let's just break that down as to what it is we're actually looking at or what the complaints are. So from, mm. from you know, from my experience, it's sort of stuff like, 
you know, dark, darkness under the eyes or dark circles, you know, sort of crepey sort of skin, shadowing. Um, what else, Jake? I mean, what well, else I, are you getting? Well, I guess so already you've just, you've described several things that aren't a tear trough. Oh, there you go. So, <laughs> you know, the, but, but our patients call everything, you know, yep. under the sun, which is under their eye, a tear trough. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the problem. Um, you know, patients, you know, we obviously can't expect them to be the expert. So they should come with a, hopefully an open mind that something's going on under the eye. And then we will work together to sort of work out a solution of, of, of what it is. And I'm guessing you would agree, Gavin, that often- yep. It's the cheek, not the tear trough. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. I mean, pigmentation is obviously a, a thing that we can't treat with filler. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. often see pigmentation, but it's definitely more common in um, sort of people from Middle East, India, and, and mm-hmm. into sort of um, Mediterranean, that sort of belt of the world. They tend to yeah. have deeper set eyes. And for whatever reason, they just sort of look darker. Um, but I wouldn't call it pigmentation yeah. per se mm-hmm. it's just how their skin sort of folds and, and how it looks what, what what's your opinion on that Kevin? yeah i mean it, a lot of the time it, it, i guess it could be pigmented or be darker but the other possibility is that there is some hollowing there and a shadow of some sort um so there's there's a couple of possibilities for darkening um but you get all sorts of um, different colors on the eye you get you, know, you can get vascularity um redness you can get uh you know all sorts of different wonderful things you can get you know skin laxity wrinkles all those things so you know yeah it's often bundled like you said um jake and you've got to somehow differentiate them all and work out exactly what you're treating and i think you know unfortunately too many times that we're, we're bundling them into treat everything with filler uh, you know, whether it be wrinkles, pigmentation, vascularity, you know, and it's all just bundled into one. And, and you know, it's a, it's a, it's a panacea, the, the tear trough filler, it can fix everything. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, maybe for maybe consumers listening or patients listening who, who sort of, you know, don't really know what we're talking about. Someone described this to me and it only sort of dawned on me to understand the anatomy when, when they told me this uh, sort of example. They said, when someone gets a black eye, you have to sort of see where the blood sort of sits. There's a barrier. It doesn't just sort of fall down your face yeah. and you don't get a black face or a blue face. It sort of sits in, in that trough. It, it's contained. And so that is where one of your ligaments are, which sort of sits like a sling under your eye. And I was like, ah, okay. And then, then I started to understand, well, okay, so if we fill there or under there, we can sort of marry the two hills and valleys together. But until I sort of got that analogy i i I, you know it was just too complicated that's a really good analogy i like it i haven't heard that one before actually it's been a long time since i've dealt with black guys and things like that (laughs) yeah i like it that's a very um, that that leads to why one of the reasons why i don't do them anymore but oh fair enough and the other thing that um from that analogy was when the blood breaks down so the hemosiderin the the iron in your blood or blood cells it it can often stain that that ligament. It sort of sits there. And so that is where, you know, that's, I guess, true pigmentation. It's not sort of sun damage or photo damage. It's sort of an innate pigmentation almost. And if you really look at sort of Caucasian skin, because it's a bit lighter and you can see it better, you can often see just a little bit of freckling or darkness through that area. And I'm not entirely sure if that is photo damage or not, but it could be from, you know, sort of lymph and Mm -hmm. sort of stasis of fluid there as well. So Gavin, once you've diagnosed a patient and you and you've realised that it is a tear trough, mm-hmm. what are the factors that sort of cause it to happen? So you maybe you just want to take us on a bit of a journey of what's happening yeah. to the facial structures as people age and these tear troughs or two te- true tear troughs manifest. 
Yeah, sure. So, I, I mean, we've sort of touched on that earlier. And there's a huge genetic component. Um, you know, as, as, as we said earlier, kids have them. You know, so it's not all about aging. And certainly, um, there's a lot of anatomy behind, um, you know, anatomical variants, which can cause a tear off. Uh, and then, you know, usually these, these things, even if you're born with them, they usually get like everything, you know, it gets worse with age. Uh, the skin overlying becomes looser and, you know, lax and, you know, the fat that's, you know, the fat, the lower eyelid fat starts to bulge forward and that exacerbates the potential, you know, look of that hollow. The mid cheek sort of starts to sag, you know, it's all very sad. Um, <laughs> and and then you lose that support from the mid cheek, which was previously supporting the, the lower eyelid. So, then you get more hollowing. So, yeah, certainly there's a, a huge number of, um, you know, causes for, for tear troughs. Yeah. Could, could, it, um, would you have like sort of loss of uh, bone loss as well in that area? I'm yeah, assuming absolutely. To, Thank you for reminding me that bone loss is, uh, you know, the orbits get bigger and, um, you know, you, as you lose bone. So certainly that's a big factor as well. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. aging is, aging is hard. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Jake? Um, yeah, I guess it's the color as well. <coughs> mm. So again, in lighter skin patients, they tend to sort of have like a bluey, purpley tinge to that area. And, you know, that's what they're calling the dark circle. You know, some, some people it's more extensive and like a panda eye, but often they're worried about the color and, and not, and sometimes they're not even hollow and, and that becomes mm. tricky because then where do we put our filler? Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the color is really, you know, the, this is the thinnest skin of the body. It's about, I don't know, 0.2 millimeters. I was mm. sort of read in a paper once. So very, very thin and you basically can just see through it. Yeah. So you're seeing the orbicularis muscle, that sort of purpley red muscle, plus, you know, maybe a little bit of vascularity and the, the veins draining that area. So it looks purpley blue. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure when you did your tear trust, Gavin, you would sort of say to patients, you know, I can make the hollow better, but the, the color, you know, that's yep. a bonus if it gets better. Yeah. But um, it, it, it often does actually, but I, I'm always very clear yeah. it, it won't. <laughs> I've sort of noticed mm -hmm. it as well in, in people, friends of mine that are into bodybuilding and competing and they do these extreme weight cuts where they, you know, get themselves down to like single digit, low single digit body fat and draining themselves of water and all sorts of things. And even when they've regained the weight, it seems like the face doesn't, all, doesn't fully recover. Like it's like that fat... Mm -hmm somehow redistributes itself you've sort mm -hmm. of triggered something genetically in your system i mean have you have you sort of seen that sort of stuff before any either um, with you guys yeah I mean, with your well, patients yeah certainly i mean tear troughs get worse with um weight loss i find i think you yeah. look at um you know maybe a, a famous example with someone like hugh jackman when he rips up for wolverine um yeah. <laughs> he gets bad tear troughs on on set on scene uh, on this on the movie but when he's in his normal you know uh you know Less, dad less, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when, he, when he's you know doing his comedies or you know romantic movies, he he, beefs, he he puts on a bit of weight and he doesn't have that hollow, um, hollowness. So it's it's certainly you see it in in, in patients and people yeah. I see. Yeah, the definitely yeah. weight loss. I don't know if, if bodybuilding causes a permanent loss of fat in the face yeah. or permanent changes. I'm not sure. I haven't done any research on that. But I mean, yeah, a lot of people lose fat first from their face because you know. Mm you're not using that to store for energy really it tends to be around yeah. your, your sort of love handles and around your organs mm. where you're actually using it for energy so you often lose it from your face first yeah. so you see mm. in um you know footballers you know they're, they're very lean and fit but they can just look a bit tired and that's mm. not just the teardrop but it's that 
you know, the zygomatic cutaneous ligament, that sort of groove across the front of the cheek, it, you know, it can make people look tired. If they smile, they can sort of hide it because they create mm -hmm. fullness and the cheek elevator sort of fill it out. But yep. they're just sort of neutral. It can look a bit tired. Yeah. So it's just, I guess I explain it to patients like your face is made up of a crazy paving of fat really like blobs of fat and you know some of it's connected or, or joined by ligaments and and you're just seeing the ligaments and, and the fat has just sort of shriveled away mm. um whereas if you put on weight it sort of marries up and you hide that ligament again yeah. that's how i describe yeah. it yeah well that does, that's an important point i mean on the on the uh on the retaining ligaments of the face so you know these these are the ligaments which attach skin to bone and there's a few of them on the face the tear trough and zygomatico cutaneous ligament um being one of them so um certainly if you fill those areas these things are tethered down and you get fill filler exploding or splaying either side of it with time usually um so even if it's you know good for a little while eventually the ligament wins that's what i always find and you can pump that ligament full of filler time and time again and i find it never never lifts for any long period of time especially you've got it when you've got a super soft filler um rather than you know you're not putting in um cement or anything hard there it's, it's really it's really it's just a super soft gel yeah. yeah. And, and that's, you know, an important point with the filarology. When we first got hold of filler and there was only one of them, I won't say the name, you're kind of using the wrong tool, probably the wrong technique back then because we didn't understand anatomy. We didn't even know about fat pads and ligaments back then. I can't believe it. So, <laughs> or vascular occlusions. <laughs> or, 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 yeah. Can you, how crazy is that? And so I think our understanding of the anatomy plus, you know, having, there is no right filler for everything, but better mm. fillers for specific areas of the face, I think, has made well, yeah. certainly my results better. But um, I'm keen to sort of understand what the history of, of how you got to a point where you what? gave up, Gavin. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. What well, was sort of um, happening? Yeah, I mean, I used Juvederm for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Probably the most hydrophilic, worst filler you can use for the tear troughs. And I used it yeah. pretty much everywhere. But in tear troughs, you know, it was one area. And I've, I've got some patients from many, many years ago literally coming back to haunt me now. Can we qualify saying, that? Which one? Because there's lots in the Juvederm range. Usually the Ultra one or Ultra, okay. ultra Plus. That's yeah. what you've got in your tear troughs. Yeah. yeah. David will last forever, Dave. You'll, be, you, you, you'll take that till you're... To the grave. Yeah, to the grave, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. want to say that, but, you know, you, you basically, that will, that will go in forever. So I've seen um, patients, you know, 10 years plus with fill-up issues, you know, and unfortunately it wasn't enough to put me off all, all these things, you know, for many years I kept going and maybe, I don't know why, you know, maybe as a doctor we, we have, a, we do have a bit of ego, you know, as a doctor, look, we want to feel like, yeah, we're doing something, you know, we can achieve something, you know. Um, and and I just kept persisting, persisting and and the number of complications I had over the years, like over many, many years of doing this, and I'm not just talking about just with Juvederm, I'm talking about with the right fillers as well, you know, like the ones which are less water loving and attract less puffiness and less water. Even despite this, um, persisted, got complications, you know, people people came back, they, they were unhappy, you had to treat them either with um, more filler because it wasn't perfect enough, it wasn't you know, smooth enough or you overfilled them because you're trying to achieve that perfection and then you had to dissolve it and then after dissolving it, you had to <laughs> refill it again because you over-dissolved it. And it look, I literally had one guy many years ago come back to see me. He, he literally came back 20 times and, you know, you don't charge these people either for it. And, and in the end, I think he got so upset, he went to someone else and apparently um, he was okay after that, but maybe it was just me. But, um, you know, I never made him happy and... 
I don't think I could have. And it, he was definitely um, a guy who was seeking perfection. And he would, and the classic thing is they, you know, they take selfies at different angles oh, and yeah. they present them to you in the bathroom you go, you, with the downlights. Yeah, like, look, you, I can you still see a hollow. You've, you've had that too, Jake. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not alone there. Yes. A, and then you look at them and you think, oh, they don't look like that, you know. But then they show you these selfies. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What's this? You know, you 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 you've got this groove now or this puffiness that you can see on a selfie. So. It's certainly a, huge, a very, very, very demanding patient um, who, who, who asks for tear trough as their primary concern. It's different to those who, who you say to them, okay, you need your tear troughs filled. That's different. I mean, if someone comes in just for tear troughs and they go, I want my tear troughs filled, they're going to be, I, I stick to this, and they're going to be some sort of perfectionist sort of patient who, who won't accept much less than the very best result, pretty much no tear trough. So, yeah, I mean, you can set expectations, but, you know, they listen and then you give them the filler and then they're still not happy despite, you know, setting them good expectations. Like, it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be a little bit less um, than perfect. They still come in. They're still dissatisfied. So, that's my, been my general, um, uh, you know, experience with, with patients. So, that's that's one big thing. Um, but I persisted for many years and, and um, you know, I can't remember what exactly it was which put me off it, but I did some more studies into um, the anatomy of it all. Oh no, this is what I I remember now. What am I saying? I, I do have a I do have a case. Well, I had one case um, a couple of years ago. So you normally we have tear trough issues, right? So and and usually you can dissolve them if there's a problem. You know, and at least the patients can go fairly back to normal. But this in this case, this patient. Uh, I couldn't dissolve her tear trough filler, and she actually she actually had it done once at somewhere else, and then she came to our clinic and she had it done again with TSL redensity um, to top top it up. And after that, she just got this puffiness in one eye, which we we dissolved, we bombarded with hyaluronidase, which is uh, the filling filler dissolving agent, and literally we put in like the whole vial, which is fifteen hundred units each time, and that's like. Jake will know because that's a massive dose, mm. and we did it. Maybe did it eight, nine times. I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't get rid of it. So I actually sent her to get an MRI with um, Dr. Moben Master, who's um, a radiologist and cosmetic doctor as well. And he scanned her, and what he found was that the filler was actually underneath the eyeball. So it, which oh. basically means it's postseptal. Um, yeah. Uh, which yeah, there's a there's a ligament, there's a septum there. Sorry, which separates the front and the you know and the back of the eyeball. So, um, so this filler had snuck under the eyeball and was impossible to get rid of. So he had to actually use an ultrasound and guide hyaluronidase or the dissolver underneath the eyeball because you're not necessarily going to attempt that. You could, but you're not going to necessarily attempt that yourself with that ultrasound. Yeah, and he managed to get. Uh, a lot of it, I think, in the end, she did end up going for surgery as well. But uh, it was it was a really tricky case. So, and and the thing is, with when with most injectors, I would say most injectors, you know, use a technique where you're injecting tear troughs with a needle deep down onto the bone. So, if you're injecting right onto the bone, you're right where that septum is, and it doesn't take it takes a millimeter to pop a little bit of filler right on that septum, um, and and get and get um, the filler underneath the eye. So, I reckon this problem, although, um, you know, it was my first experience of undissolvable filler, I reckon it's happening 
a lot worldwide. Mm. And there's people, maybe they're happy with it. It maybe looks good on them, some people, but I think there's a lot of people with filler problems around the world who've got this post-septal filler or filler under the eyeball. Um, so that really put me off. But um, it, 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 um, it actually made me go back and, and do some further studies on the anatomy. And um, I, I, I mean, it's a difficult anatomical area to understand. If you look, if you, there's a whole textbook I've got on it, and it literally is a whole textbook on the anatomy of the eye, and I still don't fully understand it because it's <laughs> it's so it's so complex. But uh, look, I looked at, I found this paper uh, from our very own um, Mr. Brian Mendelson, who's who's a plastic surgeon in, in Melbourne, and he um, he basically uh, found this tear trough ligament. So. It's a ligament which attaches the skin down to the bone. And that just sort of was a massive wake-up call for me because I thought, okay, if I've got a ligament there, strong ligament. So this is the ligament which when he studied it, he, he picked it up with, um, you know, whatever, forceps or something. And he, he, as he moved it, the whole head moved, the cadaver yeah. head. So <laughs> it's strong enough to move a cadaver head. So this is a tough, like fibrous, thick ligament which is – pulling the skin down, right down to the bone. And I'm here with this little soft, you know, putty gel, um, trying to pop this thing up, you know, and and um, not being successful. So that was like a massive eye-open, you know, no pun intended. But <laughs> it's just woke me up to the fact that it's going to be very, very hard. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible because there are sometimes patients like you're living uh, proof, David, that you can have uh, tear trough filler. And it still look all right, you know. So, um, so, so it's not impossible, but the odds are certainly against you. And and I think when it comes to um, filling the tear trough, you've got this whole cycle potential psychological burden where that if it goes wrong, you know, your patient could end up in this vicious cycle of, okay, um, it's too much, it's too little, um, I'm going to dissolve some, um, I'm going to take, put some more in. And then, oh, then the dissolver, it dissolver, I think the dissolver affected my face, it destroyed my skin. And so you get this <laughs> huge psychological burden. I, I mean, people often wake up at night and just <laughs> check out their tear troughs after filler, you know. I've, I've had that experience before too, you know. There's a, there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot to unpack. I wasn't unpack, sure where yeah. to jump in, but um, I just let you yeah, go yeah, for it. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, one thing I wanted on. to ask that it's not about tear troughs at all, but um, mm. have you learned from the experience? You know, you've basically stopped a service now, but have you changed your consultation anyway for for sort of um, setting expectations a little bit differently or, or, or better or whatever? Because, you, you know, you're right. We live in an age now where people are filtering their face and seeing nonsense on Instagram and, you know, people will have nothing. They're literally from the medial canthus to the lateral canthus, it will just be like, you know, porcelain. And, yeah. and, and people think that's normal and so they request these things. So I totally get it. But um, did you, yeah, did you change how you consult just generally? Yeah, for sure. Look, I mean, I, I've learned many a many <laughs> lesson from doing tear troughs. I've learned how to manage expectations um, much better um, and, and setting the right expectations. It is very, very hard, like you said, like in this world of Instagram and these before and after photos, which uh, a lot of them unfortunately are, are misrepresentative of, of what you can actually do. Um, I think we, we got that on the agenda to talk about that as well. So, you know, people come in with these, um, huge expectation because they saw it on Instagram and this doctor in, in this country can do it. It's often you know, Brazil. Um, 
In Brazil, <laughs> you say? Yeah, yeah I, the, I, so there's, a, there's a couple of injectors. I mean, the, the work seemingly is fantastic, but there's yeah. a lot of trickery going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, someone will come with like a V-shaped face and suddenly it's like a box. Yeah, I think I and know which person you're talking about. Yeah, I, get the, and, I get the feeling. <laughs> and you're kind of like, I say it to my patients, I'm like, even if you gave me a hundred syringes to play with, I could not do that for you. It's not possible. It's not real. Yeah. Photoshop, you're saying it's Photoshop. I mean, can, you, can you imagine this much of your face being just fill it? It would be like a pillow either side of your face. Yeah, eventually it, it would turn to pillow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. I think you yeah. know which injector I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I do. But they always take the photo straight up. And that's with, um, it happens a lot with tear troughs. It happens a lot with lips. They take the photo within minutes, sometimes a day, some, at most, you know. But they don't take it the photo a year later. And that's yeah. when you really, that's when I think, you know, you really should judge a before and after is like a year later. So, yeah, managing expectations, very, very difficult. And I think I've just opted out of this um, managing expectation with tear trough patients because, you know, it's just not worth it because sometimes you just can't win, you know, and they yeah. agree to it. They sign the consent form. They say, you know, yes, I'm not going to, um, I'm going to only have one free top up if, you know, my, oh, that was our policy, one free top up, then no more. Um and I understand it's not perfection. You know, it's not going to be perfection. But then they come back after two, three goes. It's still not quite right. You know, they and, no, they want a free top up, and it's no, it's your fault. You, you, they've signed it, but they don't realize. Do you not think that um, you're undervaluing yourself there? You know, you've still got product Hugely. that you have to somehow finance, Hugely. and it's your time and you know your skill. And like you said, it's the stress and drama of it all. Well, I, that I was the main thing. I mean, financially, yeah, it was stressful. Like, um, because most of the time with tear trough patients, you'd make a loss because you'd be giving out free top-ups. And that's not the primary reason I stopped, but um, certainly it was a factor. Uh, you don't want to be giving out free top-ups and not valuing your time and your your um, your product because, you know, the time is valuable. And you've got to look after, you know, a lot of patients, not just one tear trough, one or two tear trough patients. So, yeah, that's that's uh, that's certainly a, a factor as well. So, you've got a patient that's turned up to, to, see, to see you, Gavin, and they're requesting tear troughs or you think <laughs> the conversation's going that way because um, I'm sure there's a lot of injectors going, that sounds great, but how do I say no? So how does that conversation, how does that sort of conversation go for you? Well, I did this video on YouTube that said, that explained why I don't do two jobs yeah. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I direct them to that. No, no, actually that, it's, it's reached quite a few people now that video. And I think people who come to see me now know that I don't do tear troughs. It's actually, yeah. Yeah, 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 the yeah. clinic doesn't. So, you know, we're a bit of, but before that video say, you know, came out and, and, um, people come in, look, I'll just explain them that I don't do it anymore, but I can do things to make the lower eyelid look better. Um, but it's not going to be uh, perfect. And often, look, they're directed towards surgery because surgery is um, is often better to dissect that ligament, to break that ligament, to shift any fat that's there. Um, you know, you've got lower eyelid fat pads, which you can't change with fillers, you know, and, and you can shift that into the tear trough hollows. So they're directed, they would direct, direct surgery or, you know, maybe they could have a bit of... Um, filler in the mid cheek like like Jake mentioned earlier like I do that as well but that doesn't really get you you know that much improvement in the tear trough follows um it, it only makes a mild improvement and ultimately 
you got to look at all the things, you know, skin. Um, you, do they need maybe like a blepharoplasty or maybe some CO2 laser or something to tighten up that skin? You got to look at the mid mid face volume, the mid cheek volume, and do, are they lacking a mid face uh, volume? And I do that press test where I press on their mid cheek, and if it, if it fills up their tear troughs, yeah, maybe that a bit of filler there in the same spot where you're pressing might actually might actually um, help. But if it doesn't help because the tear troughs so tethered down and so so tough there, um, then you just leave that one alone um so yeah it's a, ma- a matter of um just directing them in the right right direction and and um in my case um they already know from all yeah. my website and my videos that i don't do it but yeah yeah this makes me sad i like doing teardrops and under eyes <laughs> yeah <laughs> but well, you know I, every injector has their own experience and i, and yeah, I completely sure. agree that there is the the par well not a paradox the the drama of not getting it right and and yeah. then um, you know they're back and forth and dissolving mm. and refilling and I've definitely been that position. It definitely happens mm. less these days. But and I don't want to get any haters here because um, you know like, I'm not here to, to to hate on people myself that do teardrops. <laughs> so I don't ha- hate you, Jake. Uh, it's I, I respect you as a doctor and look, I understand you do. T- and I, it took me. I mean, I've been doing it. For, I did it for 14 years. So yeah. you know, and that was my personal choice to stop. But Certainly, and there's some doctors hating on me probably as well because I, I had one doctor from another country do a YouTube reaction to we'll my. Was he the guy from Egypt? Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw right. that today. <laughs> yeah. he, okay. he, he wasn't very popular in his in his views. I think he only, I, when I last checked, he only got like a two thousand views or something. But um, he, he was. Oh, I disagree with Gavin. You know, he's. I do feel and look. Uh, no hate, no hate. You know, look. Uh, I respect that he still does it and. Uh, it's it's a personal choice for the doctor, but I think you know patients should be informed of both sides of the story. Let them make yeah. a decision, and if they can find a doctor to do it for them, it's not necessarily a hundred percent going to turn out wrong. Because I think that people were uh, really freaking out when I told when I when I put out that video because they thought oh, I've already had tear troughs. I've got to go and dissolve them now, and they're absolutely <laughs> fine. You know, they actually look they actually look really good. But it's not that if you got them, you have to dissolve them or if you're a doctor doing them, you know, you should stop. I'm, I'm just saying this is what I find. And for me, the balance is not there, you know, and I rather look, I, I rather not do them and um, put myself and my patients under the stress that, you know, that I go through and they go through when, when, when I yeah. do them. I was just going to say, you mentioned that you, you refer um, patients sometimes for surgery. Yeah. I was just going to sort of emphasize the fact that you probably should be looking for someone that does a lot of this kind of work, maybe like an oculoplastic or someone that is really well known for tear troughs, not just, I know there are a lot of doctors out there who do a whole, you know, range of procedures. Mm -hmm. This is an area you really don't want to mess up. So, you know, do you have particular doctors who, who you sort of refer yeah. to and so on? Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, for sure. Agree with that? In, yeah. in Melbourne, uh, Ben Burt uh, yeah. is the guy I refer to. Um, he's done a lot of my patients' tear troughs. Um, it's actually interesting. Ben's a good guy. He's a good, excellent surgeon. And um, I've seen him a lot because I, I get some really good results back. It's very interesting, though, to see that he, unfortunately, faces the same issues as we do as, as injectors when he does surgery. So he gets some brilliant results. Um, and I think, you know, patients, I've had a few couple of patients come back and they're perfect. Like I, I, I've never seen them look better. So I've dissolved their tear trough filler. I've sent them to Ben. Ben's, you know, dissected their tear trough ligament and p- pushed the fat down from their lower eyelid into their tear trough. Perfect work, you know. Um, they come back. There's a mild tear trough there, right, um, afterwards. It's not nothing, nothing bad. It looks 
beautiful, natural. Um, and you know what they say? I say, I'm not happy. It's hollow. Mm. And that's this classic, classic tear trough <laughs> patient because yeah. they have been so used to this. It, and it's probably my fault. Like I've got this one patient that I literally had overfilled for over 10 years. Or she, she actually, not, I lied, but she was good for several years. Then probably a few years ago, it's it, it, something changed and she became puffy. So she wasn't, she had some good years of it, but she was fairly full. So dissolved ascended bend, perfect result. I loved it. And and first thing she said is, I've got to have some more filler back. And this is classic. <laughs> and, and maybe I'm thinking, if I hadn't filled her 10 years ago, or however long ago I filled her, maybe she wouldn't have had that issue. Maybe psychologically she would have th thought, yeah, this is all right. No, a bit of hollow there. That's, that's normal. Gavin told me it's normal. But no, I said, I'm going to fill it for her. So I filled it. Yeah, and now I, she's been through this massive saga. But she's I, I sort of say, happy now. That is the paradox of, of the tear trough complication patient because you know you can see something wrong yeah. looks puffy or blue or, or like a worm i think you described in your video yeah. and you know to every injector and maybe even their family they can see it every day and yet if you dissolve it they get the shits because it's suddenly <laughs> hollow and and they look more tired yeah so and they would the actually one... rather keep the complication yeah sometimes well i've learned actually when i'm dissolving tear troughs now to only put in very very small amounts not and certainly not never. I never bombard with highlays now, or how you run the filler dissolver. So basically, I, I think it's like this. So you know, we, when we see ourselves in the mirror each day, we don't see ourselves getting older. Because if we did, I think we'd all want to jump off a cliff pretty quick. You know, so <laughs> we have to sort of become acclimated to how we look every day. And there's changes every day, but we don't see them. And I think that's the same with tear trough filler and lip filler. When you fill your tear troughs or lips, um, you know, you get used to that fullness mm. and very quickly that becomes the new norm. I was always like that, you know, I never had hollow tear troughs. I never had fine lips. I've always been like that. And then of course you become used to it. So I'm going to go back in six, six, 12 months to my injector because that's how long the fillers last for. That's what people think, you know, it lasts six, 12 months when I think it actually lasts 10 years <laughs> and I'm going to get filled again. And then they get filled again, lips, tear troughs, um, and filled again and again and again, and no one says anything because the doctors or nurses think that, yeah, that's all good. The filler's probably gone. Um, and I'm just trying to make my patients happy, um, which is understandable. It's human psychology. So, yeah, you just end up in this huge, vicious cycle. And then when it comes to taking it out, it's disastrous because you can accept something when you put it in and you make it fuller. But when you take it away, you know, it's like um, it's like maybe your bodybuilder friends, um, yeah. David, if you took away all their muscles, you know, they'll be, yeah. you know, you put in some, put in some, uh, you know, some pumping some more muscles or maybe pumping some synthol or something like that, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll be happy, <laughs> but you take it away, you yeah. know, and, and all of a sudden they're devastated and, and it's the filler's fault. No, it's, sorry, it's the dissolver's fault. It's the doctor's fault. It's the nurse's fault. Whoever's, you know, they'll blame someone or something for it. And, then, and what, they, what they don't look at um, is that, and, and sometimes you don't get a good photo from back when they first had it done. And that what they don't look at is what they used to look like, which is pretty much the same mm. um, a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with that. That's the common cycle, you know, get it done once, looks pretty good. And then from there on, I think that it's not a tear trough problem, it's an injecting problem and a business <laughs> problem where they're saying yes each time to injecting more. So it's not that tear troughs shouldn't be treated or can't look good. It, it's almost like the, the, the you know, the 
the injector's just kind of not doing the right thing by the patient, I think. You know, and yeah. that's where really good clinical uh, clinical photography comes in because you, know, you got the before, the after, take another shot six months later and if they still look the same, well, clearly you're not going to do any more. Yeah. Um, and, and that sort of diffuses the whole um, sort of, you know, getting used to being fuller sort of argument. Well, if you're still full, where, mm. where are we going to put the extra, the, you know, the other half a mil that you're asking for? Yeah. That's that's you, at that point you they usually pull out the selfie uh, that they took in the bathroom <laughs> with the the down lights and and at different angles and they say oh but this this is what I took last night yeah, yeah. can I drill down into what, how you yeah. used to do it and and maybe did you change yeah. your technique because that 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 would be interesting to talk about and I'm, yeah. I'm happy to just share what I do yeah sure no I mean uh, I mean not I don't necessarily want to. Um, uh, I mean, I'm happy to divulge this, but I don't necessarily want people to take this away and start using this technique because um, obviously, I mean, I did, I stopped doing it, but not just that, um, you know, I don't, I don't want this to be like a, yeah, it's a not thing like where a learn how to podcast. I will be completely um, transparent with what I used to do. So I started with Juvederm, injecting with a needle, 30 gauge needle, you know, deep down to the bone. And I did that for quite a few years. Um, why, why did you choose that filler just out of interest? I, I think because I was very, I was, had a good rep and yeah. he sold me everything and I only used Botox and Juvederm and that's all I used for quite some time. So I've obviously, I've gone away from that now and I'm, I'm much more, um, you know, sort of careful with what I select and why. Okay. But look, you know, you have a relationship with a, with a certain uh, manufacturer and, yeah. um, and you, you, you try to, you try to stick to them. You're loyal, you know. But not only yeah. that, but I guess back in those days, what is probably 2008 or uh, nine? Yeah, there, there would have been yeah, that long much time, choice. Yeah. You would have had Restylane. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, we and, had Restylane and, and Juvederm. And that's it. Yeah, but like like Com Holden, Holden, Holden and Ford. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Commodores, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, you had to pick one or the other. You either, you know, one, you either a wrestling person or you're a Juve Allegan Juvederm person. So yeah, I, I used Juvederm. And look, the number of people who came back with huge, huge amounts of puffiness was was massive. And I learned to put in tiny amounts. So I learned to put in less. And, you know, you put in about half of what you think you're going to you need. And that's about right. And so what sort of volume is tiny? Well, it wasn't tiny actually back then, to be honest. Uh, okay. It was like two mils. Oh, you know, wow. Yeah, up to when I started, you know, and, and then I sort of cut it back a bit. To and then we had finer stuff come through, and I thought tried that as well, and that was the same sort of similar issues, but less, slightly less um, obvious issues. But you know, still had some issues. Mm. Then I converted to cannula and started injecting with a cannula. I thought maybe that would help. I, I'm not sure it really did, but uh, you know, maybe slightly less bruising with a cannula, which is a big complication, which makes it hard to judge a result. Yeah. Um, and uh, then went on to you know. Um, the finer fillers like uh, TSL Redensity 2, uh, which um, was a, probably a more recent thing, which was probably the best one that I, I found because I think it doesn't last super long and it's less uh, hydrophilic and supposedly it has some sort of vitamins and antioxidants in there to help the skin mm. there as well. Uh, so I went to that one for uh, a while. But even despite that, um, I did still have complications. I actually saw someone today who had filled a few times with TSL and they have severe sort of Tyndall's effect, yeah. um, which is a blue-gray discoloration of the skin there, which um, is caused by the way light refracts through it. It's like why the sky is blue because um, the, the, it scatters all the other wavelengths of light and it pushes blue back in your face. So filler here can have that same effect where it makes um, a blue-gray 
discoloration and uh, superficially placed can look 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 grey. So um, that's called Tyndall's effect. But so none of them have really been perfect for me, um, and also would fill um, the mid face with uh, restland volume or something like that. You know, which is something more hardy than uh, TSL. So TSL is quite soft, and yeah. restland volume is a bit firmer. Um, so now I, I would do the uh, wrestling part, um, you know, the the, the mid face part, but I won't do the tear trough uh, part. I'll leave that out. Right. So do you sort of say, you know, you might get a fifty percent improvement, you'll look less tired, but we're not going to go into that groove. Is that essentially what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, usually what I say, this is my spiel nowadays. So um, I think you, most of the time you should start with you need surgery because I, maybe, maybe they're not a, they're not keen on it. Or maybe they they never have surgery. But if you don't start with that and say, "Hey, look, this sort of tear trough issue needs surgery," instantly, um, you know, you're you're going to be the one to fix it. So you should, I think, you should always, you know, tell them the bigger picture. And there's there's other solutions for this. And if you don't say that, like it's like if you someone with a severe facial sag, you know, you you don't tell them you just need filler. You got to tell them, you know, you're you're you need a lift, facelift. If you don't tell them that you're suddenly responsible for lifting their face with filler. So I take the same approach with, with tear troughs. So you got to have surgery first. Um, and most of the time they do. So, uh, and if that's, if, if they've got some mid cheek volume loss, you know, I say I can fix that a little bit for you, but you know, my, my approach with fillers now tends to be more of a generalized approach. Um, very using very small amounts over multiple parts of the face. So I never really focus on one area. Um, like like the tear trough. So if someone comes to see me for filler, I'd probably be filling about four areas with a small amount. Hmm. Hmm. Um, in terms of diagnosing tear troughs, what what are the sort hmm. of other, I guess, manifestations that can sort of potentially present themselves in the patient's eye as a tear trough issue, but actually something else? And you sort of, we sort of alluded to it a little bit in the conversation, but mm -hmm. maybe you can just sort of drill down into it specifically. I'm going to start with Gavin and then go over to Jake. Yeah. So common thing would be um, like uh, loose wrinkled skin I would say that's mm -hmm. a common concern you know um, skin's very fine there start, patient's starting to get older um, that that would be one and the other big one I guess I could think of is the um, the fat bulge under the lower eyelid uh, in the lower eyelid that's um, often mistaken as a tear trough when in fact there's got a big bulge of fat there which is not amenable to fillers at all because any, any filling there would certainly make that worse. So, yeah, um, yeah, they're they're probably the main two things. I, I would yeah, say. I agree. Mm. And, you know, it's it's often younger patients that sort of hitting thirty and they get those fine lines and yeah. a bit of early crepiness and yeah. you know slight volume loss, which is I guess normal as we hit around thirty yeah. and they'll mm. suddenly ask for tear trough, which often can just improve with a bit of mis mid face filler, particularly in the souf, that sort of yeah. fat yeah, pad sure. just under the ligament. It yeah. sort of supports that area and it can make yeah. a tear trough look a lot better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and like we said before, you've got that um, ligament sort of coming across the front of yep. the cheek. And if you're a bit lean or, or just volume depleted, it sort of looks like it's an extension of the tear trough. It sort of comes yeah. across like a dent across the cheek. And, um, you know, that's where the mid-face filler comes in as well. Yeah. So maybe they just need a few hamburgers and some thick shakes. <laughs> they put on a bit yeah. away. <laughs> a lot easier. Just <laughs> yeah, go and eat some yeah, pizza. Yeah. So we sort of said that like one of the bad sort of outcomes aesthetically with tear troughs was the Tyndall effect. I've noticed sometimes in patients, looks good when they're standing still in a photo, but sometimes weird things happen in, when they're animating. So like what, what does 
maybe let's sort of define what does a bad result look like? What are we sort of looking for other than those maybe two things? Do you mean with the Tinder or just generally? Just generally, yeah. So, you know, it, I kind of joke, but it, sometimes they'll come back saying they've got a baked bean <laughs> or like a little sort of grey puffy right. baked bean. That's what it looks like. Or, you know, Gavin says it in, in his... Um, uh, in his uh, video that it looked almost looked like a worm, like a fat worm, sort of just sort of in a line where the tin right. trough used to be. Um, sometimes it's just the color rather than, you know, an actual lump. Right. So, you know, if the filler is placed too superficially, um, you know, cause I think a lot of injectors intuitively treat it like a traditional filler. They're filling sort of a gap or, or a yeah. line almost. And, you know, like you said, it can look awesome for like an hour and then they wake up the next day and it's all gray and puffy and it looks mm -hmm. like they've been crying all night. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So I, I think it's a color issue or, or a sort of a, a volume and swelling issue. Those are the, the common things. And then obviously you've got the asymmetry and one eye doesn't look as good as the yeah. other and so on. That's yeah. a killer. Yeah, <laughs> that is, you know. that has driven me insane many times. Yeah, and they had it all the time. You know, they had the asymmetry from the from before they had filler, but you got to make it perfect. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've I've been in that situation many times, and then you know maybe the photo is not so good at the beginning, and yeah, you to, and they I didn't see the asymmetry in the photo. Yeah, what about if um you know you do it you do a filler treatment you know twelve months looks good something changes the per person continues to age maybe they lose a bit of weight is it possible that the filler can sort of move migrate and um, we've sort of spoken about migration a few times on the podcast is that potentially a factor with things moving as facial structures change and, and so on I, th I think it is and you know you've you've done a a YouTube sort of video with Mobin and you sort of discussed how this is probably happening in everyone you know when we animate when we smile when we mm -hmm. do anything and it, it tends to happen in the areas that move the most so the eye and the mouth mm -hmm. they're the most animated areas of the face um but going back to like the technique I, I used to do the needle technique that's how i was taught and you know, it seems so simple and i guess logical you'd put you know little boluses onto the you know you're sort of walking down the tear trough and yeah. doing little blobs but i think you know nowadays most injectors or, or sort of some of the papers suggest that we know that if you put a bolus on the bone with a needle what actually happens is the filler tracks up the path of least resistance which is where, where your needle is right and so you're not technically getting filler just in a nice delicate blob on the on the bone it's sort of more of a dispersed column kicking like a hurricane yeah. hurricane of filler yeah exactly <laughs> you know and that's not bad injecting it's just physics yeah it's just mm. what happens and so that's why and also the bruising you know it's it's horrendous and if you bruise someone with a tear trough it can be like that complete raccoon eye sort of bruise yeah they get especially in older really, patients really yeah. upset you know yep. obviously you're paying money to look good and you look like you've been beaten by your husband yeah so i've got an eight week eight week bruise from doing a tear trough my record yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so wow. it, it can be horrendous so mm. that's why i moved to cannula and you know several reasons why i liked it one you know, I hate the word safer, but it is safer because it's a blunt device. You're not going to mm. sort of go through things like the orbital septum as easily. Mm. Um, I think it's more comfortable and, and from a sort of a, a logistical perspective, but also a visual perspective, if they open their eyes and you're sort of jamming the BD syringe <laughs> the into their there. tear trough, it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Whereas yeah. with the cannula from the mid face, it, it, it just seems to calm them down. It's just one injection point, even though you're sort of, moving around mm. but the other thing i like about the cannula is you can actually feel the anatomy that that's where i started to really understand the tear trough because with because it's blunt you can feel that you're abutting 
some of these ligaments. Yep. And 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 you tell them you're going to feel a pop now, and you pop, and you go through, and mm-hmm. you've reassured them, and you know in the, in the right place because you feel it, and you can sort of be a little bit more precise in a way. I think it, yep. it is harder with the cannula to to convince yourself you're on the bone. Mm-hmm. So I, I will turn my bevel to to face the bone, just so I'm not getting filler sort of going up, mm-hmm. but. Um, uh, but it, but it's an art. You, you can't just teach someone to do it. It's, it's experience, and you know, maybe maybe learn with the needle first, so you've got some basic skill and and, yep. and develop the cannula. But it, it, it's one of those areas where more than any in the face, I'm using the cannula to feel the anatomy. I can't describe that in any other way. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, unlike you, though, I don't pop through it. I just I stay clear. <laughs> if I hear a pop, I pull back and I stop. So uh, I'll just follow the other way. But um, look, yeah, uh, just one on that topic of migration, it's an interesting one. Um, Mobin, I have a conversation with him every once in a while, and he says he's not pro- he's not 100% sure of migration because he's he's got an MRI of his, himself where he's put filler in his cheek and it hasn't migrated. So it's exactly in the lines where it, where it was injected. Mm. But I just wonder whether, you know, like areas like um, the teotrophin lips, could it be possibly, um, uh, you know, inject how it was injected? We haven't, we don't really have proof of migration as at this point because to have proof of migration, I guess you'd have to inject or you have to scan them and then inject and then scan or and then record uh, somehow i don't know whilst you're injecting yeah i don't know maybe do a, some sort of I, I don't know how you'd record exactly where you put it and then it, it do another mri to see exactly where it'd gone you know a sequence of mris um to see you know maybe every three four months and then that way you know okay this is migration but it could also possibly be like the breakdown of the hyaluronic acid filler um, has, you know, gotten – maybe the the chains have become smaller and it's become more hydrophilic with time. And maybe that explains a lot of the um, puffiness that you see, you know, sometimes years after doing tear trough filler. You don't see it straight up. It's good for a few years and then bang, or one day it comes back and bites you with this puffiness. So it could be that rather than migration, but we, we certainly yet to prove anything. But um, the lip part, you know, looks more like migration because, you know, it looks like overflow from the lip, you know, up towards the nose. But the tear trough, I'm not so sure. Look, it might it might just be like breakdown of that hyaluronic acid. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I remember learning the tear trough years ago and someone mm. described, but I don't have any evidence for it, that the muscle, as we age, it tends to get little fenestrations or little windows in it, mm. sort of gaps, you know, just it sort of deteriorates as we get older. Mm. And so, you know, you're trying to place your filler under that muscle so it's contained and not, you know, no Tyndall effect, etc. But mm. if it does start to sort of weaken, I guess, theoretically, filler could sort of rise to the top. But then yeah. that sort of raises another question because we tell people, oh, your filler is going to integrate. It's going to be become part of you. Mm-hmm. And then we're saying in another sort of sentence, oh, in two years' time, that fresh filler is going to come to the top. <laughs> so yeah. it, I, I don't think we have an answer. No, I, I really I, don't. I agree. It needs more study. It needs more yeah. like, uh, se- sequential MRIs is probably something we need to do there. Yeah. I mean, with the migration thing, it always makes me laugh. It, it sort of suggests that the filler's got a bit bored and it's gone for a walk. Yeah. It, it doesn't do that. Yeah. It, you know, I, I think it is a placement issue. 
And, yeah. you know, Primarily, I, I, I explained to my patients, you know, the fat pads are superficial and deep. So it's like the, the ground floor and the first floor. And in the middle, you've got your muscles. So that's like, your, you know, your ceiling, if you like. And if you put it where it's supposed to be in the ground floor, it should stay there because, you know, the fat pads are walled off by walls, the, the, the ligaments and the septi. So I don't know. I, I think Mobin is probably onto something where if it's put delicately in the right place in small volumes, it probably does stay there. Yeah. But if you sort of fan it around haphazard in the wrong plane and maybe use a needle occasionally, I, th I think that's where we're going to see, you know, sort of just a, a diffuse yeah. cloud of filler. Absolutely. Yeah. We, can, we, we like to blame, probably it's easier for us injectors to blame it on migration. <laughs> but it's not us then it's migration it wasn't I didn't put it in the wrong place it was just yeah. moved there by it's itself. your fault it's your body's fault <laughs> it's I, I, I know fault. this is about tear drops but where do you stand with um, a tenting technique with lip filler because that's you know that's Look, a big controversy isn't it I, I don't use needles in the lip um, so uh, I just think it causes too much swelling personally so I, I use 27 gauge cannula for all my lip fillers and my mm -hmm. volume for both lips is on average it's about point. 2.3 uh, it's very small wow and i do that every few years and i actually refuse to repeat it and repeat it because i've just seen i've seen lip filler on mri uh on mri 15 year old lip filler yeah it looks like a moustache doesn't it yeah it's a bit the patient forgot she had it um it was reported as cheek filler migrating to the lip which <laughs> not by moment not, not by, not by <laughs> another by another radiologist not a walk, that's a marathon that's yeah, hilarious. Hilarious. it wasn't definitely wasn't migration from year to <laughs> lips um from cheek to lip but uh, you know the fact that it was 15 years old is phenomenal and i've certainly seen you know lumps persist in the lip for many many years not nine ten years so um where people don't want to dissolve their filler and the lump is still there 10 years later uh, yeah i often wonder if patients forget not just, you know, what they've had done, but how many times they've had it done. Yeah, for you know, sure. You, you ask a, you know, a, a typical girl in Sydney who, who has lip filler, how many times have you had them done? Oh, no <laughs> They'll kind of go, I don't know. They, they won't even yeah. know uh, because they're there every six months, you know, yeah. almost well, on the dot. I think that's another, I mean, this we're probably getting off the topic here, but, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an important cycle that people go through. I mean, what happens is you become acclimated to the size of your lips. Yep. You go in for more filler. The doctor or nurse thinks that, yeah, their filler's gone because, you know, it only lasts six months. They put in more and put in more every six months and you just go through that cycle again and again and eventually you end up with huge lips and, yeah. and you don't even know you don't know any better you still think they're small it's like liparexia yeah, yeah. well we've, we've spoken about it many times on the podcast yeah. the uh the body dysmorphic issue and we human mm. beings we get obsessed with everything you know yeah, gaining absolutely. weight losing weight putting fuller in our face to like it's just, <laughs> we're mental aren't we so in terms of other techniques that you can use to sort of improve that area. So we've sort of covered surgery, but what other things mm. can you potentially do to help address that issue? You know, because it might not be a, a volume thing. It could be a skin quality thing. It could be a pigment sure. thing. So can you just walk us through sort of what yeah, other modalities sure, might sure. look like? Look, the other modality I use would be CO2 laser yep. or uh, Tixel. Which, so CO2 laser and Tixel both create a significant amount of heat in the skin, causing tissue contraction. Um, like when you, you know, fry a, piece of meat on the on the fry pan there is some shrinkage when you first put it on because of the, mm -hmm. of the heat uh so that that is definitely one one modality or two modalities are used for for you know improving skin laxity and wrinkles um you may have heard of the other thing you know um, prp prf yep. those sort of uh, blood blood um, derived products um being injected there now Personally, I haven't got a lot of experience with that. Um, I used to use uh, PRP um, 
in the face and I stopped because people were saying that uh, I don't know if I see that much difference so mm. I stopped but look certainly I heard of people using PRP in the face and that's certainly not not, not my area and I don't know that much about it so I'm, I'm a bit neutral on that but I don't use it myself because I just don't have enough yeah. experience with it what about things like uh, like microneedling and things like that where you're sort of stimulating collagen your retinols you know where you're sort of you know sti- stimulating it chemically rather than mechanically yeah, well, I, I haven't used it personally, microneedling there. Um, I, it's, it's probably a softish sort of area. Hard, yeah. Probably be a little bit hard to microneedle. Um, and the skin's very fine. I, I haven't done that before, but um, I'm sure that someone has experience with that and can probably inform you about, you know, the benefits of that. But look, in terms of eye creams and stuff like that, you know, I think it's a yeah. bit of an expensive yeah. waste of money. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I tried I um, PRP and... You know, mm. similar to you, I, I, I dabbled because I thought, well, why not? Let's try and learn something new. And yeah. I wasn't impressed with the results. I mm. don't think the patients really benefited in any particular way. Yeah. And that was their feedback as well. Yeah. I mean, mm. I think they like, well, I say like, I mean, they look super puffy when you inject the, the under eye for a day or two. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they sort of seeing some sort of volumization, which they like. Uh, but, you know, once that dissipates and, you know, it drains. Um, yeah. Mm. I didn't see great results, if I'm honest. You could just give them a few bruises under the eye with the needle, and yeah. that would be oh, in, in, and instantaneous like PRP. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, but there are proponents. We've had um, Dr. Cat Stone on ages ago, yeah. and, and she's sort of a, a global PRP trainer, and she swears by it. So, mm. I don't know. There, yeah. there, there must be a specific patient that, that does better. Um, I'd like to see a biopsy result from that. Like, I'd like to see someone have PRP somewhere and then have a biopsy of a skin yeah. Yeah. Um, straight after, or, you know, a few weeks after or a few months after, and then uh, assess the degree of collagen improvement mm. and see, if there's, see yeah. if there's any. That would be the ideal measure, I think. I've heard a lot of sort of anecdotal stories of people liking the micro needling done in combination with PRP as yeah. the sort of as the sort of lubricant that they use during that process. Because I think I've, I've seen micro needling work in all sorts of you know it's different areas. Basically, the vampire facial, isn't yeah, it? pretty much. Mm-hmm. It, but yeah, micro needling it. Yeah, so that I think potentially has more utility than just PRP directly on yeah. its own. Well, yeah, I don't think it can skin. do much harm. You know, anyway. Famous, yeah. famous last words. <laughs> no, you could <laughs> you someone in the eye. <laughs> what about things yeah. like toxins in the lower eyelid? You know, do you sort of potentially dabble uh, with that sort of I'm stuff? I'm a bit against that, to be honest, because okay. I think, um, you know, like if you if you lax, make the skin more, uh, muscles more lax there, like the, the orbicularis oculi is intimately associated with the skin. So if you're relaxing the muscle, you're potentially um, causing, you know, things to sag there. Like you might get what you call an ectropion, which is like that sad puppy dog look, you know, um, that that dogs like Great Danes and things have. Um, so I just wonder whether you know Botox. Botox should be you know constrained to the lateral or the sides of the eyes um, rather than being put underneath where it can potentially, potentially drag things down. Yeah, I totally agree. But but the patients always ask, "Hey, I've got these fine lines. Can we just do a yeah. couple of drops and see what happens?" And you know, years ago I would have done that. But um, I totally mm. agree. You're, you're making something that is lax laxer. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, there there is one indication. It's got nothing to do the tear trough, but sometimes people have got quite um, a sort of a hypertrophic orbicularis oculi on yeah. the actual lower eyelid. Sure. Uh, common with you know with a lot Asians, of Asian yeah. patients. Mm-hmm. So you know, just one or two yeah. units can just make that look a little bit softer. Yeah. Mm, sure. Um, Jake. 
what's your technique for injecting tear drops? We, we sort of alluded to. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so Gavin's told us how he doesn't do it and yeah. what he used to do. Okay, um, but what's I mean for all the people that are going, all right, well, tell us how you bloody do it. So yeah. You t- okay. <laughs> how do so you do it? <laughs> trying to think where I'd start. So look, firstly, I guess in my consultation, um, I'm very. I try to, this is going to sound sort of weird, but I try to control the consultation so they don't go straight to what they want. Right. I, I try to keep it more yep. global. Good Let's point. look at all of your features. Let's obviously do the medical history and everything else. And then even before they've told me why they're there, I'll then do the photos. Right. So I'll do the photos and, you know, they may have voiced, oh, I'm here for lip fill or whatever. That's fine. And I just sort of put it to the side. Then we look at the photos and I'll say, okay, in this front on photo we'll come to all the other ones in a second what do you actually see you know tell me what you like and what you don't like and this is where they start to understand their face better right. because rather than coming with something in their mind that they think might look good they're, they're actually seeing their face right. with a proper photo and that is when they'll often say oh my god i look really tired yeah and you know, another important point, I guess, to voice is that, you know, patients will then qualify it and say, ah, but it's because I've been working like crazy because, you know, we're, we're post lockdown and that that's why I look tired. And so I then have to diffuse the myth of, well, your anatomy hasn't changed because you worked hard for the last week. You probably do have a deficit there. Now, granted, it can look a little bit puffy or less puffy in the morning, but that is a tear trough or that is an eye bag or, or whatever it may look like. So I start to get them to understand that, you know, looking tired and particularly when you're younger isn't, you know, it, it's not the ideal. And so, you know, they may have come for lip filler or something else, but let's sort of try and improve some of the negative messages about your face before we add on the positives. Cause one of the things I see is, you know, young girls going for the lip filler constantly and yet they've got a deflated mid face and they look tired and it just looks odd. It's, it's quite jarring and it's why the lip looks so not right because it doesn't match the face. So I do do a lot of tear troughs and I do focus on that sort of tired look, whether, you know, younger or older, mm-hmm. but getting to actual sort of what do I do? So when I'm examining them, Gavin mentioned one of them, one is the push test. Mm -hmm. So if they're a little bit deflated in the front of the cheek, you know, just a little push. And if you can push the fat up closer to the orbital retaining ligament and it looks better, then great. You need some medial cheek filler that that will help and and probably supported by the SUF. Um, I would normally then sort of do the pull test. So sort of pull on the, on the zygoma. And I think you did this in your video, um, Gavin as well. Mm -hmm. If, and I say to the patient, look, if I just tug here, what do you think about this area? Does it look better or worse? And they'll often say, yes, it's better. So you know that supporting the lateral cheek will start to improve the front of the cheek. So then I say to the patient, well, look, this whole area is like a hammock. We need to support both ends of the hammock. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's all just going to look saggy and puffy in the middle if we don't pull both ends. So if you, if you do the pull test, the push test, and then the snap test, which is, you know, you just sort of pull on the lower eyelid and let go, if it snaps straight back, then great. You've got good skin quality and, and you're maybe a candidate for something to do with the under eye filler. It doesn't have to be tear trough, mm-hmm. but somewhere around there. Whereas if their skin sort of stays, which often does on older patients with sun damage, then immediately I'm, I, I bail out and I say, look, I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, your, your skin's not good enough. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is where, you know, then I might start talking about surgeons and stuff. But so there's a couple of little tests that you can just show them that good candidate, average candidate, bad candidate and then i'll sort of look at the degree of i guess severity of it and and i'm very clear with patients whether it's you know frown lines or tear trough or anything i i'll grade it for them so i'll say look it's either absent mild moderate or severe 
And if it's severe, I'm flagging before I've even gone to them with a needle that you are tricky. It will never be perfect. You might need more filler or, you know, you're just not an easy patient. Yeah. And then I've already qualified, you know, the things that you were saying, Gavin, where, where you sort of get into that sort of shark water where it all becomes a bit dicey. Um, whereas <laughs> if they're, you know, mild or moderate, then, then I'm much more likely to tackle it. So hopefully that's a yeah. couple of tips. And then, sure. yes, I will always start from lateral cheek anterior cheek, so medial cheek, souf, and then lastly, tear trough. Right. Now, I like the Juvederm range. Everyone probably knows that. And I do work using the MD code, so you're going to hear that a lot in these types yeah. of um, yeah. sort of yeah. podcasts. So that would be CK1, CK3, CK3 souf, and then the TT codes. And and sometimes, you know, you do need to do the, 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 the lateral sort of tear trough or, or, or sort of where they get a bit hollow on the outside. Yeah. And I say to patients, you know, I can leave you with a tear trough, but if I do everything else, you'll look better and yeah. you'll value it. Even if I leave you with a little groove here, because my kids have got a groove there and they look normal. So, you know, I just, I just tried to cover all bases, do the examining, do the photos, tell them about the severity. And if they're still up for it, then yes, yeah. I, I will do it. And I, 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 I slightly disagree with you. If someone's got a little herniation of the fat pad, I think I can control it a little bit with 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 souf, mid cheek, temple, lateral, um, but bring it all well. to the same level. Correct. It's, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just saying to patients that I, I'm all I'm doing is matching the hills and the valleys, but I'm not filling superficially. Definitely okay. not. That that's where I think the the sort of the you know the bad stuff happens. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of I, I agree with a lot of the points, and I also disagree with some of the points. I love your um, assessment. That's that's um, I think that's going to get you out of a lot of trouble with um, tear trough patients, and certainly I find the younger ones who um, are, are have better skin. They sometimes you get away with it, and like I have done some younger people, and they 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 do look good yeah. um, with tear trough filler, you know. And, and the older the people get, and the looser the skin gets, the harder yeah, harder it is. Um, so yeah, that's definitely um, you know something I would agree with. Um, but you know, in the end. Uh, you know, the, the thing that is hard, I think, to overcome is that ligament. And, you know, I just find no matter where you put it, it's going to splay out either side. So if you're above the ligament, you're in the orbit. And if you're below the ligament, you're in the cheek. Uh, but to get it in the ligament, really hard. Um, and that's what, one of the main reasons why I gave up. Because, you know, if, if they have, whether they have herniated fat pads, whether they don't have herniated fat pads, um, mm. you know, trying to lift that, ligament is um is is the hardest thing and i think you know in the in the long run you just end up a lot of the times with puffiness and, and it's often you know the people with say mild tear troughs who come in and they didn't have much of an issue but they're often the obsessive ones even more so and you sort of think okay they've got mild tear troughs we got to fix them up but then they end up being the ones who uh complain and are difficult so mm. I, I totally agree if you, if you try and get it in the tear trough like mm. in the in the medial canthus where that sort of yeah. dark area is you can't it, mm. exactly what you said you could pick them up with a tweezer and you'd move the head because yes, it's yes, just yes. a ligament on bone there's no space or gap between it and i'm very mm -hmm. clear with patients that i'm going to leave you with a little slither of a shadow here because i can't put filler into like a, a space that doesn't exist. Mm. So I so completely agree to, with that. Just to get your, um, the way you do it, Jake, you, you don't inject on the ligament. No. You inject underneath. I'm, I'm actually above and below and exact. Yeah. And oh. I'm very, 
I need to qualify this because you're going to think I'm going into the orbital septum yeah. here. So oh, they, if yeah, they've yeah, got that's what I was herniation or pseudo herniation, then mm-hmm. no. But if they've okay. got a normal non-bulging sort of eye, mm-hmm. then yes, I, I think you can make a tear trough look much better by doing micro droplets above the orbital retaining ligament, below it in the sooth, and you're kind of marrying up, like I said, two fat pads that you know, if, if they're more uniform, you don't see the groove. Mm. Whereas okay. if you if you don't address one or the other side, it looks crap or, or, or more hollow still. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need to put a, a photo on our um, yeah. on our Instagram just to explain to people some of these concepts because this yeah. is very hard in a podcast yeah. to talk sure, about sure, ligaments absolutely. and fat pads. Yeah, yeah. So can I ask you a personal question, Jake, about how many, um, what percentage of people would come back for a touch-up or a, say a, a, some sort of, complication what would you say it was nowadays it's rare of course you know occasionally mm-hmm. people want more and yes. for those more tricky patients or, or the ones that i'm telling you're severe um mm-hmm. i'll do a lot of work on the mid cheek and, and everything around it to support you know all those ligaments mm-hmm. and then sure i i actually I don't even say you have to come back. I say, look, this is going to be a personal choice. Mm-hmm. We both agree you look better, you know, after the procedure. Of course, it's going to look great, you know, straight after because there's a bit of swelling as well. But let's mm-hmm. judge it in two to four weeks. Okay. And then, you know, if you think you need more, that's an easy problem. We can do more. But I don't call it a touch-up. It, it's okay. not a touch-up. It's it's further treatment. Another treatment, yes. They're going to pay. It's yes. not a mistake. And, yes. and I think some of the language can can help with that's some important, of that. Yeah. That's important, yeah. That's um, good that you say that, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, hands up. I might get three mm-hmm. or four patients a year where regardless of technique and, and, and everything, it just didn't sit right. And, mm-hmm. I'll, and I'll often be the one saying, look, I don't really like you walking around like that. It's not, it's, it's, it's okay. Like you look less tired, but it's not right. Mm. Yeah. And, and then, you know, it's up to the patient whether they would like to have that dissolved or not. Okay. Um, yep. then there's a the pretty other... impressive rate. I mean, that's, I, I was definitely getting more than that. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Look, I, you know, I, I know you're a great injector and I think it's valuable to have your contribution here because, um, you know, to put up a YouTube video to say, I don't do tear troughs, that takes balls, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was a bit worried about it at first, but uh, I think uh, I, once I did it and it came, went out, I felt, I actually felt more at ease with my, um, with my decision. Yeah. So it actually was, it sort of reconfirmed my my decision to not fill tear troughs and and to hear I mean the video um, has got over a million views now and wow. it's got a lot of and there's a lot of comments on there and you know look like I said it's not that it's impossible to get a good result but the number of people who came out of the woodworks and said I had this problem I had this problem and it, mm. you know then I had this problem with the dissolver and had this issue and and this issue stayed for many years it it really that sort of thing sort of thought oh yeah there's I'm not alone here, you know. It's it's there's a lot of people out there. So, yeah, like I said earlier, I'm not out here to hate on people who do tear troughs. And certainly, like I said, I did. I've done it for 14. I did it for 14 years, a bloody long time, before I before I realized. Look, it's just not for me, and I'm, it's not worth the complication risk for me. Yeah. But I think you know, if we can inform people of the pros and cons of any of any treatment, you know, and let them decide at least what they want to do. Um, they can then pursue whatever they like from there. Can I pick your brain as well? When you were yeah, dissolving, sure. what's your dissolving um, dilution, and you know what, what's Protocol? your preferred needle? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I did just um, to take it back a step. I did used to dissolve 
you know, when I see a teardrop problem, I often would dissolve everything, you know, and, and just try and start again from scratch because my, my plan was to dissolve everything and refill again. Um, I don't refill tear troughs after dissolving now and I make that very clear to patients. If I'm dissolving something, I don't refill the area. If you may dissolve and then have to go to surgery or have some other laser or some other treatment to fix up the skin there. But um, the typical dilution now is sort of 150 IUs per mil. And the way I inject, I get a very, very the finest needle I can get. Um, usually a thirty-five gauge needle, um, or you know, with with uh, on a one mil syringe, and I would inject probably 0.05 to 0.1, like I'm injecting crow's feet with Botox, which is like like making a, a mozzie bite, um, yeah. a wheel of of um, of um, you know um, how you run a days. And the reason why I do this, my my. My premise for doing this is uh, the the Hyaluron days is a is a is a spreading agent. So for those people um, who are not familiar with it, it it's actually used for um, spreading local anaesthetics. Say for example, when you have an operation on your mm. eye, so say so say you're having cataracts done, they mix Hyaluron days with local anaesthetic, inject it behind the eye to get the maximum spread with the local anaesthetic to give you the maximum chance of getting your eye numb. Um, so. It naturally spreads through tissues by breaking down your own hyaluronic acid, uh, which which subsequently regenerates in a few days. Um, so by injecting the hyaluronic days at a superficial level, really superficial, uh, I'm able to sort of get rid of that superficial filler, which is causing the problems, be it you know puffiness, tindal effect, great that's blue blue gray discoloration, um, and hopefully leaving the good stuff underneath. You know the the deeper stuff, which might be causing some foundation or support. And I've learned to do it slowly and, and with the tiny amounts of Hyaluronidase because I know, it's a, like I said earlier, it's a huge psychological impact to go from full to nothing. Mm. And if you can just take it back step by step, especially because I'm not uh, refilling, that's my technique nowadays. And I might get them in a few times to do it. You know, to, So you're sort of like shaving the layers off of the yeah, onion. That's it. And sorry, I missed your dilution. So, how many units would one that be roughly? One, uh, one vial of yes. one thousand five hundred units in a ten mil. Okay, syringe. so that's kind of yeah. quite uh, dilute, oh, actually. Another really important point um, for injectors, more so out there, is like this: if you look on YouTube, and there's all these videos on people getting hyaluronic days, and and they're like, "That was worse than having a baby. That was the most pain <laughs> I've had in my entire life," and and it puts everyone off having dissolving. And and um, and the reason is. If you're injecting dissolving hyaluronic uh, days, you've got to mix it with preserved saline, not mm. with normal saline, normal yeah. unpreserved saline. And with preserved saline, it doesn't sting at all. So they only feel the prick of the needle and then there's no burn. Otherwise, if you put it in with just normal saline, oh, yeah, it's terrible. the burn is the worst. And either you've got to put it in with normal saline with local anesthetic mixed in, but I just use preserved saline and by itself, no local mixed in. And it, it's so painless. Yeah. So, if all injectors out there, please convert to <laughs> preserve saline. Um, no, it costs a little bit more, but it's well worth it. I, I mean, I do it similar, but um, sort of lower, um, well, sorry, more concentrated. So, I'll do it in about mm. five mils of pure local. Or yeah. sometimes, you know, I put some um, preserved saline in there. Mm. But then I'm using, you know, like you said, micro boluses mm. because I want the hyaluronidase yeah. to, to be concentrated, but in a tiny volume. Yeah. So, it's just. Breath. Targeting that thing that I'm, yeah. you know, the baked bean or whatever. Yeah. Nice. I like it. 
Yeah. Yeah. So what do you th- guys think is going to happen in the future? Do you think tear troughs are here to stay? Do you think that it will become yes. a, less and, <laughs> a less and less popular treatment? Or do you think that um, potentially there's something that the future is going to bring us, uh, you know, a, a more effective way to treat it without having to resort to surgery if, if injectables can't deliver the product or the end result that people want? Well, I've decided I'm going to go to Gavin's um, YouTube video. I'm going to go through and find all the people who got screwed up and I'm going to send my business card. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I like no, that. I, 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 look, they weren't all my, done by me, just, just mind you. Yeah. <laughs> They're from the world. <laughs> <laughs> look, in my practice, it's definitely here to stay. I, I do get a high, a very high satisfaction rate, obviously not for those five people a year or so who, who mm. don't get a good result. You know, but I, I think everyone accepts... Um, you know, you've tried your best and, and, you know, and they'll still agree. Oh, it does look better. It's just not right. I respect that. I yeah. respect that. That's um, good. And I guess the other one is, you know, those people who do get delayed onset reactions. So, you know, they get sick or flu, you know, it's not just the tear trough, but it tends to be the tear trough. It will sort of light up like a, you know, it will swell. Yeah. It can look very cosmetically displeasing, gets hard and tender, you know, and I'll get, you know, again, a handful of panicky phone calls a year saying my my filler's all gone crazy out of nowhere. And you ask them hundred screening questions about, you know, flu mm. and vaccines and UTIs yeah. and all the rest of it. And you'll often identify a cause. Yeah. And even if you don't, there's probably something brewing that hasn't manifested yeah. yet. The cause of that is just uh, the Vicross technology in the oh, here we and, go. And, here uh, we and go. all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> the other, other fillers don't have that, that much uh, of an look, issue. There's uh, the Volumers uh, and the Volbellas and all look, that. Look, we've oh, had Lee God. Walker on. We've had several people on the podcast. And actually, I don't know if you're sort of just stirring the pot for, for, uh, for the podcast, but uh, I, I, I think most injectors have had a delayed onset reaction, regardless yeah, yeah. of product. No, um, I, I, are you quoting the paper? Is it Artsy? I think it was. It was I'm about not, five I'm not years quoting. ago. I'm just uh, going by my own personal experience. I, I had a lot. That's why I stopped using those Vicross technologies because of delayed onset. Um, Interesting. Okay, but let's explore it. So what, yeah, what yeah. sort of stuff was happening? Uh, just they're coming back. Every every part of the every filler that you put in has just gone rock hard. And you put, put on prenisolone, you know, mm-hmm. dissolve the filler eventually. Did you um, ever give them a period of time just to see how it went over a few days a week no, no they respond very well to prednisolone so I just you, I, I didn't I think the patients couldn't tolerate it and I fixed mm-hmm. up a lot of from other clinics as well yeah. um, where they've come to see me um, with uh, after having Vicross technology filler yeah so that's that's been my experience and and look I'm not basing it necessarily on any study yeah but look the the fillers I use at the moment um, we use a bit of Bilotero a bit of Restylane mm-hmm. I haven't had any issues so yeah. in our experience yeah. so i'm just speaking from our own personal yeah. no, experience sure. and I've, I've heard i've yes i've heard of i've read the, some of the studies but i'm 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 basing it on what i've seen yeah. uh, i had lots with the vicross back when i used it and I, that's the only reason why i gave it up mm. mm-hmm. so what do you think Kevin? they're here to stay or they're, they're going <laughs> Tear troughs? yeah they've already gone yeah well, well no yeah, I mean, you uh, know, it predict, depends how many depends how viral that video goes that i did yeah right uh, no it, it, look it, it really um it's going to be hard. Look, every cosmetic procedure has its complications, has its pros yep. and cons. And mm-hmm. like I said, it's not that you can't get a good result from teotrophilla. I think the odds are against you in most cases and the complications, in my mind, are not worth it. So, yeah. look, if it will probably depend on what patients want and what they demand, I, I'd imagine. 
But it'd yeah. be very, it's a very interesting question. I mean, I'd love to see, let's fast forward 5, 10, 15 years. And let, I'd love to see the future. I mean, so much has changed in the past 15 years, you know, like yeah. from filling nasolabial folds and lips, which is all yeah. we ever did, you know, back back in the day. We became we were nasolabial fold filling factories back then, yes. you know, 16 yeah. years ago. But now we do everything. So let's see. I mean, I'd yeah. love to know the answer to that one. Yeah. And uh, any sort of parting bits of advice for, I guess, injectors that are sort of, you know, you guys are very experienced at what you do. Yeah. Um, any advice for yeah. sort of, yeah, in, injectors? Don't, don't do sort tear of, drops. Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's probably pretty common, common yeah. good, good advice probably. Um, for, for people who want to sort of understand more about, you know, some of the little tips I was talking about when I examined the patients, there's a great paper by Peter Peng. Yeah. He's an um, injector in Taiwan, I think he is. And he, he did publish a paper with really nice anatomical photos or, or sort of descriptions of the anatomy and he talked about the snap test the push test mm. the pull test and all this stuff and he actually came up with an algorithm of you know where to start and and if that works you know where to go next and it's almost like a a stepwise way of um treating the face and to be honest it's exactly how i do it mm. um because it's you know it's the md code sort of style way of doing it but sure. um not here to plug that but <laughs> but it's just one way there are many ways um mm. you know tioxane have got their own way of doing it obviously Galderma have and you know mm. there are beautiful results I think from all brands I, I, I truly believe it's a technique and a filler choice issue when it boils down to it mm. um, and uh, yeah that's okay. that's my thoughts I guess my, my uh, one more parting thought on this would be that I think we have to take fillers a little more seriously than we are at the mm. moment and I, I can see you know um, someone like yourself Jake you know you, you've got a very um strict protocol on how you do things and that's great you know a lot of people uh, inject based on exactly what their patients tell them to do mm. and I think that's a mistake because you know they 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 expecting you to guide them they, they need you to guide them based on your experience and what you've seen in the past so you know based on the fact that I believe fillers last for a very long time you know um, especially since we've done those MRI scans um, showing filler can last 10 plus years I think we've just got to take um, fillers a little bit more seriously. You know, dissolving is an option, but, you know, certainly that has its own, you know, ramifications, both psychologically and physically possibly. So we just have to, like, when we put something in the face, I think of it now, okay, putting it in, it's it's going to be there for a long, long time, whether you like it or not, you know, um, and and getting it out, it's not so easy. Um, so that's my parting thoughts, yeah. say, Take yeah, seriously. I concur. Look, it's an injectable implant and with risks of blindness and stroke. So, you know, yeah. popping back every six months to, to plump up the lips or or do the tear trough, um, you know, mm. and then sort of expecting dissolving like a sort of a nail nail polish remover just to sort of start yeah. again is a little bit yeah. simplistic. Um, yeah. And you want to get it right the first time. Sure. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know, like, less is more with yeah. fillers. I think that's been great, really great chat, guys. I, I found it interesting from a patient perspective, even though I'm in the industry. I def, def, definitely learned something, and I hope everyone that's listening learned something as well. So thank you, Gavin, for joining us. Thank you, Jake, for uh, answering some of my questions for once. Awesome. Um, we'll put all your details in terms of how people can get in contact with you, although I'm sure they don't know who you are. They, you know, it's probably something wrong with them already. So, <laughs> <laughs> if you like, you're welcome to throw this onto your YouTube channel. We can sort of supply you with the video yeah, as well. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you so Thank much you. for your time, yeah. Gavin, and looking forward to catching up for a beer sometime soon when you're yeah. in Sydney or we're in Melbourne. That'll be Take fun. care, buddy. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Good to talk to you. You too. See you. Bye bye. 
for our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Using the link in our Instagram profile, you can easily email us, text us, apply to be a guest on the show, follow our personal accounts on Instagram, and even show your love and support us on Patreon. 